Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Holly Wyatt. It's very exciting to bring the word this morning. It's a bit of a privilege for such a special day. Um, But yeah, so I just, because I can see some new faces here as well, I'm just going to share a little bit first. Before I get into the Word, I just felt it would be nice just to share a little bit about myself. And some of you who actually know me probably don't know much about my story or anything like that. But I just wanted to start from there this morning. So my name's Holly, as Anna said, and I lead the prayer stuff here in the church. Um, I was not born into a Christian family. My parents were Jehovah's Witnesses until I was five. And um, so we didn't celebrate birthdays or Christmases and stuff like that. Um, And my grandparents were spiritualist healers. They they were quite well known in the area. They used to have people come to them and um, whatever spiritualist healers do. So I grew up with my nan, although she at some point had given her life to Jesus, she still kind of held on to a little bit of that. So when we used to have Jehovah's Witnesses come knock at the door, she'd say, when you open the door, Holly, tell them that we're spiritualists. That will scare them off. So (laughs) that's what we used to do. We'd open the door and we'd say, no, thank you. We're spiritualists. (laughs) We weren't. We weren't. So, um, yeah, we were Jehovah's Witnesses until I was five. And then my mum had a bit of a kind of wake-up call, really. Um, She was in a meeting with some of the Jehovah's Witness ladies, and they were talking about how to reach people um, to get them to kind of convert um, when they did the door-knocking thing. And one of the ladies said said in the group... um, we need to tell them that their children are all going to perish in Armageddon. And my mum says she just had this moment and it was just like this, the total lack of love in that statement and that it was all based on fear. And she said she just had this sudden wake-up call moment where she thought, "This, this can't be it. This can't be it. This can't be what God wants us to do. This can't be the heart of God to scare people into the kingdom. So she then um, went seeking after something else and she went into a a Baptist church in Hawley, which is where we grew up. And um, she met with God. She heard the gospel. She heard the the real gospel and she got born again. My, um, My dad gave his life. And as a family, we began going to church. Um. But not long after that, some, the enemy kind of got in and some things happened and our family just fell away from church. But during that small period of time, it must have just been a couple of years, um, around when I was kind of six or seven, I had an amazing encounter with God. Now, who remembers that wonderful worship song, Shine, Jesus, Shine? If you remember that song, amazing song. It was around that time we were singing that in, in the church. And I just remember singing that song and just encountering Jesus. I was only six or seven years old, maybe eight, and just encountering his love. And I just remember just loving worshipping him. So when things changed and my parents were no longer able to take us to church which is basically what happened things just fell apart really and um, they weren't able to get us to church anymore and I was so desperate I was so desperate to worship God I just had this hunger in me but being you know that age I couldn't exactly just pick myself up and take myself off to church there was just some amazing people in that church though that just kept reaching out to my family kept praying um, for us throughout the years 
And I really honour those people now because I really believe they, it, it was the prayers of those people that actually brought us through. Um, so yeah, things, like I said, things got really difficult and then my life just kind of took a different turn, really. I didn't um, ever really get back into church for a long time. I think maybe I carried a little bit of an offence because I felt like, wrongly, I felt like they'd turned their back on us, but that wasn't true. That was just the enemy coming in and saying that. Um, so I kind of grew up with this almost a sense of we're not good enough for the church. We're not good enough for God. We're too messy. Our family's too much of a mess to be part of a church. And my life just kind of fell apart. Anyway, I carried that I carried that thing in me, that just that desire to worship him. I carried it through my life and just that love of God. And I always said through everything that I did, and I went way off, way off track, um, way off. I won't go into that, but, you know, into drugs and into all sorts of things. And um, I ended up in psychiatric unit. I ended up in years of therapy and my life just unraveled. And what I wanted to talk about today really, partly is the power of worship and partly is to talk about and maybe just get rid of some of that stuff that gets in the way of us worshipping God. So I just wanted to, as I just said, I ended up in a psychiatric unit and (laughs) during that time, it was um, for two months, I was in this psychiatric unit at East Surrey Hospital and um, it was over Christmas And during that time, and I was just reflecting on this recently, just how amazing this is. Part of my care plan for my recovery was they would give me a room to go and sit in on my own and sing. Because they recognised that when I spent time singing, it did something in me. And they could see that it was almost like when I came out of that room, something had changed and it was like some of the darkness had kind of lifted off of me. And the reason why I was in that place was because I was repeatedly um, trying to take my own life because I'd just come to a point where I just couldn't live anymore, didn't know what to do, couldn't move forward. And I was in such a dark place. Um, Obviously, the world doesn't know how to lift us out of that. We get medication thrown at us. We get all sorts of things. And there was no medication (laughs) in the world that could pull me out of that place. You know, it could kind of just suppress some of the things that were going on, but it couldn't pull me up out of that place. Yet going into that room and singing did something. And I didn't know very many worship songs, but the, the one song that I knew all the words to was Amazing Grace. So I would sit in that room, knowing actually that the reason why I was in that place was mainly because of stuff I'd done in my life, stuff I'd brought on myself, and just sing Amazing Grace over and over again. I would just sing it and sing it and sing it, and I'd just come out of that room just feeling uplifted. So that's kind of a bit of my story. When I, I then went on to get into a relationship, I had my first son. Um, and while I was pregnant with my first son, that is when I really gave my life fully. Um, really surrendered my life, got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was about um, eight months pregnant and everything just changed from that moment on, really. So, yeah, um, So what I wanted to share about today really was God has been speaking to me a lot about 
wells <laughs> and about how we have like a well inside of us. And he's been talking to me a lot about worship and prayer and obviously being the prayer leader here in, in the church, it's easy for me to kind of almost segregate things and say, this is prayer, this is worship, this is what I deal with in the church, this is something else. But God has been speaking to me a lot about just releasing what is inside of us, releasing that living water, whether it flows out in worship, whether it flows out in prayer, about not just kind of separating the two, but just allowing them to flow together. So rather than saying like, okay, this is a prayer meeting, God's saying to me, actually, this is a meeting where something is going to be released, something out of the flow of the Holy Spirit is going to be released, whether it comes through um, worship song or whether it comes through releasing a word or a prayer it's like everything just flows together and but it says in the word psalm 100 we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise amen so when we come to him and we just enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise it's like something just flows out of us now, some of you here um, don't come here regularly, so you wouldn't know, but we started a meeting called Dwell. And um, it's basically a space where we get together and we worship and we just expect out of that place, everything's going to flow. Out of that place of meeting with him, everything is just going to flow out of, that out of that place. And where that um, kind of came from, I just wanted to share, was a couple of years ago, me and Penny... <laughs> over there she um we went to David's tent which is like a 72 hour worship event and we went together just the two of us um it was amazing I've got three kids I left the three kids <laughs> at home with Tim thank you Tim and um we just met with God and I had this amazing encounter with God while I was there I had a few really amazing encounters but there was one that really marked me and changed me and changed my view of worship and me and Penny had been we'd stayed out particularly late that night before coming back to the the camper and we'd been to a slightly later worship set and we'd just been praising God and worshiping God and we came back to the camper and got into bed and I could not sleep because I had this sound in my ears. And the only way I could describe it is it was like the sound of heaven. It wasn't just the kind of the sound of the worship that we'd been in continuing on. It was something totally different. And it started with, it was kind of like all different styles of worship were mingling together, all different voices, all different kind of nations, all different people groups kind of joining together and just this sound of worship rising. It started with this kind of pure gospel, like old gospel singing. And then all these other voices were just joining and adding to it. And the sound that it was creating was just something I have never heard before. I have never heard singing like that in my life. And it went on for hours. I couldn't get to sleep because it was just there in my ears. And I was just thinking, what am I going to hear next? Like, Every time I thought I'd heard something I haven't heard before, I heard like a, a note that I've never heard sung before, something else was, was being sung. And it, it was just the most incredible, amazing thing ever. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I came back from that weekend just burning with something. And we'd been meeting and praying here on Saturday nights and um, praying for the meeting and praying for the church. And 
I came back from that and I remember speaking to Rohan and Penny as well was just kind of burning with, with something and saying, we need to do something. We need to tap into something. God wants to release something. And I just remember thinking, God just wants to release the sound of heaven on earth. And it's not about one worship leader or, or one anointed person releasing something. It is about the voices of all the people joining together in unity. And it's going to release something. And I really believe that that is for this season and for this day, that God is about to release something in worship and in prayer that is just going to change everything. It's not just going to change us. It's not just going to change our churches. It's going to change the communities that we live in. It's going to change the people that we live around our neighbours, everyone, just this sound being released. Amen. So I'm not following my notes at all now, sorry. (laughs) Um, So yeah, a well. We all have a well inside of us. It says in Isaiah 12, 3, with joy you will drink deeply from the well of salvation. In John 4, 14, it says, those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them. And John 7, 37 says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink for rivers of living water will flow out of them. So we have a source of living water inside of us. When we get born again, it's like a well is there inside of us and it's life-giving. Where a well has has been dug, the whole area is blessed. Access to water is vital for growth. Amen. Um, In the Western world, obviously, we take water for granted, don't we? We can turn on a tap and we have water. Uh, We just water our gardens with it. We get the hose out. You know, we do whatever. We throw it around. And, you know, we just forget what it's for. And we forget it's the life of God for us and everything and everyone around us. That water within us, we can take it for granted as well. So... In Bible times, they understood the value of a well in a way that maybe we don't. Um, When they planned to stay somewhere for a while, they dug a well or they stayed near a pre-dug well. Um, Basically, they just found a water source. Um, A few years ago, (laughs) me and Penny and a few others went to Uganda and um, with Jerry and Rose, some of you might know. And we were staying in a very rural area And nothing has made me appreciate access to running water than those two weeks. I didn't (laughs) realise, I just did not realise how different life is without running water. I just, I felt like, I I just felt grubby. (laughs) I just felt like I, I was desperate for that feel of washing my hands under running water. And it's a bit like that, really. You know, it made me, it made me realise the importance of water. And because we just have access to so much, we don't appreciate it. Um, but when we, you know, when we move house here in the Western culture, we move house, one of the first things we do is make sure we have water. <laughs> we make sure that there is water running from our taps. Um, so in the Bible, the Philistines knew the value of a well also. And um, we're going to go into Genesis 26 in a minute, but just kind of a little recap before I get into what we're talking about is in Genesis 26, basically, there was a famine in the land. The Lord tells Isaac to go and stay in the land of the Philistines. He arrives with his wife, Rebecca. Um, there's some issues. <laughs> he tells everyone that she's his sister, blah, blah, blah. Some of you may know the story um, because he's scared that they will kill him because she's beautiful. 
right? We, we do weird things, don't we, when we get worried? <laughs> that was a weird thing to do. Um, but the king figures it out, um, and they have a kind of honest chat about it. And that results in Isaac and his wife being under the king's protection in that land. Um, so we're going to skip to Genesis 26, 12 to 22. I think we've got it. So... Um, so Isaac moved away to the, how do I say that? Is it Gerer? I'm looking at Jeff. I always look at Jeff in these moments. Gera. Okay. So Isaac moved away to the Gera Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names of Abraham that Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerer Valley is that right? <laughs> I'm going to forget. <laughs> and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerer came and, cla- and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. And the next one? So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. So, a couple of months ago, I was just sleeping. (laughs) And I don't know if any of you ever have that experience where you're asleep, but God's speaking to you. And he's just speaking to you through the night. You're resting, but you kind of aware God is speaking to you. And he kept saying to me about unblocking the wells of worship. And I woke up and I was like, Lord, what, what is this? You know, and I just kept going into it. And he led me to this, to this scripture. And I started going through it. And it was like God made it so personal for me about where, where I was at and what needed to happen in me. Because as we were stepping into doing dwell and, um, you know, wanting to see God move in that, I felt the Lord was saying to me, yes, you are f- you're free in worship, but there's still some stuff that I want unblocked in your life so that you can be really free and really just um, that pure water just flowing out. So I started looking through this scripture and just started studying it a little bit. And this morning, I'm just going to share with you some of the stuff that God said to me. So firstly, there in verse 12, if we can just go back, if that's all right, sorry. Sorry, Sean, caught you off guard there. Verse 12. Um, So where there is an open well, there is growth and harvest. So Isaac could water his crops, he could feed his he could water his flocks and his herds because there was a water source. So one of the things God was saying to me is that when that water source is open and it's flowing, there is life, life within you, life flows out of you and it affects everything around you. When that well is open and it's just flowing out, things start to grow around you. People start to get fed, things start to happen. And I think sometimes we wonder why um, we're doing things and we're trying to make things happen and we wonder why is there no fruit? Why, is, why are things not happening here? And I feel like the Lord is saying, 
if your well is open and your well is flowing, you won't be able to stop the things happening around you. And I'm not just talking about a well that's kind of fully blocked, but I'm talking about any kind of partial thing. So talking of blocked, (laughs) in verse 14, the enemy hates to see the people of God being fruitful and increasing and living out what is spoken. So the Philistines, they came and they threw dirt down the wells. The enemy absolutely hates us to have an open well. He hates that flow of life that comes out of us. He hates that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. He hates that we are so blessed in that way, that God himself would come and live within us and open up a well of life. He hates that it feeds everyone around us. He hates the blessing that comes from it. He absolutely hates it. So what does he do? Every single day of our lives, he will try and throw something down that well. He will try and block up our well and block up that flow of life. You know, you probably experience it. Maybe we don't realise it sometimes, but it's a constant thing. It can come in an untimely word from somebody that is just not of God. (laughs) It can come in just a look. It can come in any way, shape or form, the enemy will try and use anything to throw mud down your well to stop that flow of life and to stop you from being fed and to stop the people around you from being fed. Because the enemy understands the value of an open well. He'll always seek to block it up. And it prevents us from having access to that living water. In verse 16, an open well releases the power of God. The king said, you need to leave. You've become too powerful. (laughs) The power of God in the increase that was happening with his people, the increase that was happening with his flocks and everything that he owned was increasing and they were becoming too powerful. The enemy's constantly looking and saying, we cannot allow the people of God to operate in the power that God has given them. We cannot allow, the enemy does not want to allow that. So again, he'll try and block up the well. So he moved on as requested, but he immediately opened up more wells again. And there were issues with each well, as we read, but he kept moving on. And each time he didn't give up. He did not give up digging more wells. He didn't give up opening up new wells until finally, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. So I just want to encourage you today If you have got tired of keeping free, if you've got tired of keep trying to dig for that source of life, keep trying to fight the battle of of the enemy, trying to block you up, I just want to encourage you to just keep digging. Don't stop. Don't stop seeking out that source of life. Don't stop getting rid of that mud and that stuff that the enemy tries to put on you. Because each one of us, like Isaac, we have to keep an open well in all situations and every landscape of our life. Isaac had a responsibility to keep an open well, to keep an open source of water for the survival of himself, his wife, his children, his people, his animals, his harvest. He took charge of unblocking the wells and digging new wells and basically making sure that there was a source of water. And we, like that, we have to take charge of our own situation and take charge of making sure that we have a well, that we have a well that is open. 
It must have been so annoying for Isaac. It must have been so annoying. He must have just wanted to rest. He must have just wanted to just find a well and say, okay, we can just settle now. We can just relax. We can just live our lives and not worry about this anymore. But he kept getting moved on. But he kept digging. He kept going. The truth is we do need to keep on top of unblocking these wells. I actually believe it is a daily thing in worship and prayer. If we want to operate with a totally pure well of water flowing out of us, then we daily need to be worshipping and praying. We daily need to be meeting with God and getting rid of that stuff and not letting it build up. I, I feel like worship literally pushes the yuck out of the well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you can feel like really just, oh, I don't want to worship. I don't want to meet with God. You know, have you ever got to that point where you're just feeling so, oh, I can't do this anymore. And you know the thing you need to do is meet with God, but you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to meet with God. But it's the only thing. It's the only way that you're going to push that stuff out. It's the only way you're going to get free. There's nothing else. You know, we can turn to food. We can turn to all sorts of things. We can turn to the TV, you know, and just just avoid connecting with God in that moment when we most need to connect with him. But it's worship. It's worship and meeting with God that will push all that stuff out. Amen. So when we're a bit or a lot blocked up, it can feel hard to worship and it's more of an act of the will than an overflow of the spirit. But once the well is opened, what gushes out is pure worship. The worship described in John 4 as being his spirit and truth. And we're just going to go there. It's it's a well-known passage um, about the Samaritan woman at the well. John 4, 1. You got it? Cool. So... Read it. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. So Jesus himself didn't baptize them and his, his disciples did. Though he left Judea and returned to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Next one, please. Oh, there isn't a next one. <laughs> Okay, just give me one minute. Where are we? Okay. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water 
than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I love that story. I love it. So Jesus and the Samaritan woman sat by the well and he asked her to draw him a drink of water, which opened up after that very interesting conversation. The conversation changes her life. And then she goes on and other people's lives are changed. But this story, I'm still, all that's going on, and I'm still sat at the well with Jesus with the knowledge of who he is for me now. The Messiah, the Son of God, the one who died for me, the one who is now risen and at the right hand of the Father. He reigns in majesty and he's asking me to draw him some water. She's run off <laughs> and she's, she's telling the gospel, but I'm here at the well and I'm sitting and I'm asking Jesus, why? Why? And the conclusion that I have come to is that this is worship. <laughs> that we draw out of the well of living water, not the well of our own emotions or reasonings or logic, but out of that well inside of us and we offer it to him first. She'd gone there to draw water and he said, can you get me a drink? I believe he's thirsty for our praise and our worship. I believe he desires it. He doesn't need it. He wasn't about to drop down of dehydration or collapse there at the well. I believe that that was a love appointment. And real love is not just able to give but to receive. It's a two-way thing and he delights in that two-way flow of love. He doesn't just want to give to us. He wants to receive from us as well. He delights in receiving from us. The Lord wants us to live lives that are a free flow of his living water, not blocked up in any way, bubbling over, pouring out extravagantly to him and to others. So for me, it's like when my well is clear and it's free and I offer him the first of that, that's worship. When I'm in praise and worship and it, that's just flowing out of me, he loves that first, it's like the first fruit of our lives, the first fruit of, of the freedom that we have, the first fruit of everything that he's done for us and we just give it back to him extravagantly. We just pour it out to him. That's love. That is love. As I said earlier, I believe that in the times ahead, we're going to see and hear a powerful release of heaven on earth through the sound created in our worship times. And like I said earlier, it won't come through a worship team producing something well polished. We love our worship team. Sorry, David, don't take it personally. <laughs> we love our worship team, but it's not going to come through a polished, practised harmony. It's going to come through the harmony of all the believers of God raising a song together. Amen. Amen. And you know what? True worship will always lead us into the heart of God, into prayer and intercession and action. And I know that sometimes people can worry if we just, if we just focus so much on worship, then what about prayer? What about going out? What about, 
I honestly believe when we are free and we are flowing and we are worshipping God, it leads us straight into his heart. And in that place, he will download stuff to us. He'll say, I want you to pray this out. I want you to declare this out. I want you to go out and I want you to do this. I want you to meet that person. It will lead to action. So we don't need to be afraid of being extravagant in worship, like we're going to not be paying attention to something else. So I just got a little side note before we respond. What's the time? Okay. Just a little side note. I haven't got the, the scripture for this, but I just wanted to touch on this. You know, um, in Samuel, when um, David's bring, coming with the Ark of the Covenant and they're coming back into Jerusalem and he's praising God. And, you know, it's the very famous scripture of, I'll become more undignified than this. And, and it says that David was wearing um, a linen ephod which is a priestly garment. Now, I always, for some reason, reading that scripture, I don't know why, I think it was because of his wife's response later on as saying that she, because she was so embarrassed and of him dancing and that he wasn't wearing enough. Um, I always, it didn't really click for me what he was wearing, that he wasn't naked. <laughs> he was wearing a priestly garment. He had taken off his kingly garment and he had put on a priestly garment. So before God, he had removed his status, he had removed his royal robes and he had exchanged them for a priestly garment as he offered his praise to God. So he was in a spiritual position rather than an earthly position. And sometimes we can be so concerned about what people will think of us if we really worship God, if we really just let go of our inhibitions, if we really just get on our knees and, and just really meet with him. We can be so concerned and it can hold us back in worship. But I just feel like God's saying, I want you to come before me in worship and I want you to take off your worldly garments I want you to lay down your position, whoever you are in the world, whatever position you hold, when you come before me, you are all priests. You are all coming before me and ministering to me equal. We lay down all of those things. And you know, I, can, I suppose I can kindly, I can kind of relate in some aspect to the wife as well in that to the king's wife and it reminded me of um Tim doesn't know I'm going to share this sorry um <laughs> when me and Tim first started dating and um we were at our old church and it was it was more it wasn't the kind of church really where people kind of had their hands up or they were down on their knees and and that was what I was used to and um we were sitting in church and we were just dating we hadn't been together very long and you know that video, some of you may not, I apologise if you don't, the video, That's My King. Um, some of you may have heard it and it's, it's basically this, this preacher um, and he's talking about Jesus and he's saying everything Jesus is and it says, that's my king. And that was played and Tim <laughs> leapt up from next to me. <laughs> And went, hallelujah. And he had tears streaming down his face. And sorry, it makes me emotional now. I was horrified. <laughs> I was absolutely horrified. But it did something in me. Because I was embarrassed. It, it, I had those inhibitions. I wanted to be like everyone else and just kind of politely clap. And inside be like, praise you, Jesus. You're amazing. <laughs> But Tim's, the overflow of Tim's worship, that taught me something. 
that taught me something. And I think it actually broke something in me that day. So I can relate to that wife, but I see the value. (laughs) And I could see the value that day. So I just want us to let go of all of those things. I want us to lay down all those things that kind of entrap us and entangle us and stop us from meeting with him in the way he wants to meet us. So we're going to respond, if that's okay. I really hope that God's been speaking to you guys um, throughout this time. And if you just want to stand, we are going to respond with worship in just a moment. But I just want to encourage you if the Lord has been speaking to you this morning about or if you just get that sense that there's something blocking my worship like I kind of get a picture of like standing behind a glass wall and the presence of God being on the other side and you can see it you can see the presence of God you can see where he wants you to be and you can see where you want to be but there's something just stopping you from being in there but there's an open door this morning the door is open so we're just going to pray for a moment before we worship I just want you to just begin to pray and ask God to show you if he hasn't already if there's something that is blocking you if something has been thrown down your well maybe somebody has spoken something over your life and it was like the enemy throwing mud down your well Maybe you've spoken stuff over your own life. Maybe you've been throwing mud down your own well. Because we can do that to ourselves. Maybe there's some unforgiveness or something or anger that you're holding on to, hopelessness, discouragement. Betrayal is a massive one. You've been betrayed by somebody and it's like just blocked you up. Sometimes we get caught in like cycles of sin And that can block us up and we can't see a way out. But I just believe this morning, the Lord wants to unblock those wells this morning because the season we're stepping into together as a church, not just here in Crawley, but all over the nation and the nations, I believe that God is going to release a sound. And I want each and every one of us to be a part of that sound. We all have a voice. We all have something to pour out. Amen. So let's just begin to pray. I just encourage you just to meet with God. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour, but something's stirring inside of you and you want to know how to take hold of this well of living water, how to have this, this source of water come live inside of you, how to become born again. I just encourage you to reach out to Him to take hold of him. You just have to believe that he is Jesus, the son of the living God, that he died for your sin, that he rose again in victory to defeat your sin (laughs) and that he's offering you new life this morning. 
He's offering you a new life this morning and He wants you to take hold of it with both hands. So if that's you this morning, after the meeting, come and have a chat with one of us here at the front and we would love to talk to you about who Jesus is and talk to you about that decision that you've just made or that you're about to make. And for the rest of us, let's just begin to pray. Let's just be praying, Lord, show us, Lord. Show us, Lord, if there is anything that is blocking and hindering our worship. If there is anything that's blocking and hindering us from meeting you in the way that you want to meet with us, in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And for some of you, I believe that the Lord is saying, to worship your way out. You feel like you're in a pit this morning. You feel like there's no way out of your situation. Everywhere you turn, everything you do seems to dig you deeper into this pit. And I believe the Lord is saying, I want you to worship your way out. Amen. So if that's you this morning, as we just now, we're just gonna begin to worship. And I just want you to worship your way out this morning. And those of you who have prayed and God has revealed stuff to you that has been blocking you, I want you to see as we worship, I want you to see that stuff just coming out. I want you to see your well becoming unblocked. Thank you, Jesus. So we just need to keep our wells open, amen. Daily, just meeting with God, just connecting with God. When we wake up, We connect with Him. Just allow the overflow of worship from our hearts daily. Just to be on guard of the plans and the schemes of the enemy. We're wise to the plans and the schemes of the enemy, aren't we? So let's just keep on guard, not letting the enemy throw stuff. And when we do realise the enemy has thrown stuff at us and in us, we get rid of it. Yeah? Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.